I'm Carrie Miller. We're here at Shell's Brewery on Shell's Road in New Ulm, Minnesota, with a room full of entrepreneurs and leaders who support entrepreneurship in rural Minnesota. This town hall is part of an ongoing series called The Rural Voice, and we are grateful for the support of our sponsors, the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundations and the other foundations, the Otto Bremer Foundation, Compere, the Center for Rural Policy and Development, Minnesota Public Radio, and I do have to say Tim Penny, who kicked the whole thing off with a great idea. We're in season two of the Rural Voice, and here's how it works. We travel to rural towns in the Midwest. We gather a group of citizens together like you, and then we listen as the citizens use creativity and imagination and commitment to find solutions for challenges that confront the communities. So we're really listening in real time as you solve problems and bring your imaginations and your creativity together. Tonight, we're going to hear how entrepreneurs plant their feet and start a business in rural Minnesota, and then how a community can support that business and inspire more innovative dreamers to follow that example. Because a successful business, that can be contagious. It gives more people in the community a great idea. So I want to hear about that too. Here's why we're talking about this. Small businesses are the bread and butter of the economy in rural Minnesota. They employ a majority of employees here, and those businesses run the gamut from healthcare to science to tech services to hunting and fishing. But As we all know, and as I've discussed with some of you tonight before we started, it does take a leap of faith to start any business. And since the consumer base can be more limited in a small town, there are some particular challenges, and we'll talk about that. So we're going to tap the experience and the expertise in this room, and then we're going to talk about how to solve some of the challenges, and we're going to hear a lot about solutions. So I have, first, a lightning round multiple choice quiz. Shout out the answers. I started my own business because, A, I couldn't stomach the idea of working for a nagging, unimaginative, incompetent boss. Who says yes to that? Yeah, all hands go up. Just take my word for it. I had a brilliant idea, and I knew my town needed it even if they didn't know it yet. Yeah? Yes? Yeah. All right, I'm coming over here because I want to hear about the brilliant idea that the town didn't even know it needed. You are? My name is Shara Reinhardt Kalk, and I am the owner of Holiday House LLC, so I own a couple of short-term rentals. Yes. How did the town not know they needed this business that you started? I don't know. We have a lot of tourism here, and we have a wonderful community, and I'm just happy to be able to share it with everyone. Good. I saw Nikki raise her hand over there, and I heard a little bit about her business. It's unusual. Okay, Nikki, let's hear it. How'd the town not know what you came up with, this great idea? 
Uh, I had the idea, well, I learned in Finland about the sauna culture. So sauna or sauna is the correct way to say it. And so the sauna culture didn't exist in southern Minnesota. It's kind of like a bigger thing. I, I call it like the yoga of 30 years ago of like you kind of knew someone that did yoga. So like the sauna culture is going to be the next big thing. Uh, but in southern Minnesota, it wasn't a thing yet. And after COVID, there was so much, we were all looking for a way to connect and be outside, but be healthy. And this is a way to be social and to sit outside and have a mobile sauna unit, be able to come to you and have friends over. And yeah. You have one in your backyard. I have one in my backyard. And, and the goal, I'm a great sauna user. I'm not great at being a sauna entrepreneur. So I got to work on getting it out of the backyard <laughs> and bring it to others to enjoy. I think we should have done this tonight in a sauna. What do you think? That would have been fun. Who else raised their hand? I had a great idea. Yes, ma'am. And the community didn't even know they needed it. Tell me. Mine is a work in progress. Okay. But you are, Trudy. Trudy from New Ulm. Um, like many, I have become a pandemic puppy owner. Uh-huh. And uh, in fact, part of my motive for moving back to this town was to give the dog a backyard. So when you bring that pandemic puppy home, I kind of want him to be clean. And so I am working on developing a dog wash that would be 24-hour, full service. 24-hour? I will drive to New Ulm for that. (laughs) Totally worth the drive for a clean dog. (laughs) That's great. What's the business going to be called? Harley's Muddy Paws. Love it. Love it. All right. And how's it going? How's the development of it going? Work in progress. (laughs) Trying to find the place to put it. All right. right, Good. Who else raised their hand? I had a great idea. Yes, ma'am. And my community didn't know they needed it, but now they do. Uh, my name is Bree Tarlson. I uh, am founding a community hub space uh, that I'm going to operate a bookstore out of. But the intent- You are speaking my language, Bree. <laughs> the intent is to create a third space, so a space outside of home and work that people can gather informally um, and kind of combat what you're talking about and having a place to connect. Um, so the idea, it's not just a bookstore, it's a youth center, um, it's a space for movement-based activity, um, a cafe, kind of a variety of things. I love the idea of it. I was just overseas, and I saw the model of what you're talking about. And it was in a small town, and everybody had a reason to be in this bookstore slash community center slash you know, center for young people. So what are the challenges to building it? Finding space was a big one, actually, because of the footprint and the types of things we're trying to put into the... um, It doesn't fit into one category because it's not a bookstore, it's not a cafe, it's kind of all of the things. (laughs) Um, And I think just just trying to explain the story about what what it is is, has been a challenge. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I've wondered about is when you talk to friends or new people that you meet... And you describe, you do the elevator pitch, right? Which means you have to describe it in 30 seconds. Has that been hard to boil that down? Yes, I'm also an introvert, so that's extra hard. (laughs) Surprised you raised your hand, and I'm glad you did. Where are you at in the development of it? Uh, I've I've, um, secured my space, and I'm planning to open in spring of 24, downtown New Ulm. Have you tapped Tim Penny for money? Yeah, because everybody should. Where is he? Not yet. I should do that. We'll connect afterwards. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we have a date. Uh, anybody else who would like to weigh in on, I had a great idea. All right. I'd love to hear from somebody who is 
And Jace, I think I'm going to come to you, who is, has built the business, has established the business, and is now in that somewhat treacherous shallows of we're trying to build it, we've got it, now we've got to make it work. So tell me a little bit about your business. Yeah, my name is Jace Marty. I'm one of the co-founders of Black Frost Distilling here in Nuam. Um, we are a northern terroir-focused whiskey distillery. Uh, terroir is like the sum of everything around you affects what you made. And so, you know, in a rural community in Minnesota, uh, it made sense to utilize everything that we can grow just here locally. So corn, rye, wheat, and barley, it all comes from within 15 miles of the distillery. Uh, we also utilize Minnesota-grown oak as well So uh, for all of our barrels. So it Sounds fantastic. Can I have one now? A shot. We can, uh, right. we can go down there. <laughs> okay. so tell me about kind of where you're at in, in the business. Yeah, we just passed one year uh, as officially open um, for business, but we, we bought our building in August of 2019. So we tried to start a business during COVID, which was, um, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend anybody. <laughs> Hopefully we're, only, we're done with pandemics, but... Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, dealing with that whole uncertainty, you know, we just secured this awesome building that we wanted. We were trying to raise money, uh, you know, and then everyone got cold feet, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. So we, Wait, are you saying your investors got cold feet? Well, like when we were pitching to people, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, the world kind of stopped. And, and so like trying to raise money, just, just halted there. And then when things kind of picked back up again, you know, it was just skyrocketing inflation. I mean, we would get quotes on on you know equipment that was good for like 30 minutes you know i mean it was just like if you don't respond within the next hour you know this bid isn't is is obsolete so uh dealing with that i mean we had a great gc that really kept a lot of that in check um but we also raised money on kind of pre-pandemic numbers and so like the cost of you know our barrels doubled in price since we've opened the doors so uh, that has been a struggle, you know, when you have to buy 700 barrels a year and that price has doubled. I mean, that's, that's the, the bulk of our, you know, cash burn right now is just trying to make up for that. I don't know how you plan for that, but I'm going to come down to a business development person right beside you and ask her, but I'll be back, Chase. What do you do when you have this great idea and a business plan that investors will invest in and then kind of the world blows up or things happen that you didn't expect. Introduce yourself if you would. Sure. My name is Brenda and I'm from Minnesota State Mankato. And um, so we've worked with a lot of of entrepreneurs over the years and um, timing is is a big deal, right? Timing with, with starting a business and there's a lot of unknowns. And so there are times where uh, a business idea um, goes south um, because of timing, and um, and that's hard. You know that that that's really hard. I would um, say too that you know a lot of entrepreneurs uh, make it because they have great mentors and they have. Um, it's it's oftentimes, and I mean the the Marty family. Uh, you know, it's there's a lot of of um, a lot of team teamwork. That's Jace's family. Yep. And so a lot of times really, too, it, you know, entrepreneurship sounds like it's really, you know, oftentimes about individuals, but oftentimes it's about, you know, creating your team to make that happen because it's really hard to be successful um, as sort of a, you know, um, as, as an individual. 
Um, and, and many entrepreneurs, uh, they have a great idea, uh, and, um, and inspiring others to come along with them is, is so critical. I'm going to come back to, um, you know, what, you, what happens when you're in a rural community as opposed to an urban community where maybe your customer base is larger and you've got a little more wiggle room. So we'll come back and we'll talk with, about that in a minute. Anybody else who has started a business and discovered for whatever the timing was difficult, inflation went up, your cost of materials uh, increased, how could you plan for that? Uh, hi. Tell, you are Jesse. Jeannie. Jeannie. Uh, and I'm representing New Alms Own. We've been around for six and a half years. Not all businesses have to be private ownership. Mm-hmm. And going on the comment about teamwork, uh, so we opened a retail store um, that's very mission-driven. So we have a complete staff of volunteers that keep the shop open. We sell fair trade merchandise to support craftspeople in developing countries. And the profit from our store, we give to support local charities. And so having a team carry that vision forward was uh, vital and important to make it a new alm entity and not just a private owner. What has happened timing-wise, costs, that kind of thing? Maybe shipping costs to bring your goods up to New Ulm? Shipping costs have increased, definitely. Um, rental cost is up. Um, but because we have volunteer staff, that helps us a great deal. So, And we have um, local art in the shop, and our artists have been very devoted, and some of them actually donate their works wow. to help us keep going. Thank you. Who else has started a business and discovered that the timing was difficult. Uh, I'm going to come over to the banker, too, because he was telling me earlier that he invests in a lot of startup businesses. Uh, Introduce yourself, if you would. Um, Corey Merrill with Pioneer Bank. I don't invest, but we do work with a lot of small businesses. Thank you. So, yeah, we've run into that, obviously, many times, working through... Uh, COVID, um, the pandemic, uh, businesses trying to figure out what to do during that time. It was, it was a lot. Uh, so I, I've never owned a small business, but I'll tell you, working with entrepreneurs, uh, I, I can't tell you how much respect I, I have for those who do. So. so someone comes in with a business plan and asks for a loan from you when you're examining the business plan. What are you looking for? And how are you trying to look ahead to the situation that some of our entrepreneurs got in where costs got out of control and they didn't expect it? Yeah, well, first I'll say that uh, I'm always surprised when I get a business plan because that is not generally, <laughs> that is not. Wait, 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 we gotta stop there. What, people don't, people come in for a loan without a business plan? Way more than you would think. Way more than you would think. Um, I, I can't answer that question. Uh, but I will say that there are so many resources out there. We work very closely with, for example, the SBDC, um, with Small Business Development Center. Um, we work with Region 9, SMIF. Uh, we will try to get them to work with one of these organizations that 
can help them develop a business plan because um, it does help. It helps them to tell the story. It helps them to see it on paper, to find the holes, the gaps in, in the planning. Um, it's very important. So we do try and get them to do that if they haven't gone through that process. So back to the question about what happens when you're in the situation that Jay Smarty is in, which is I have this great business, I've got people that want to support us, and then you know, the world blows up and all these costs are things that I couldn't have anticipated. How do you try to anticipate that? Well, I don't know that you can anticipate a pandemic. I mean, I, you know, that was, <laughs> that was a totally different animal. But we do try to look through the financials, and we have experience in dealing with so many different businesses that we can, we can help them find gaps in what they've looked at. Um, and, and again, going through that business plan helps them to find them as well. So it's, it's surprising. It's not surprising, but it's always rewarding when we have them work with somebody and they come back and say, you know, we're just not quite ready yet. We've got a few things that we need to do to, to get to that point. Um, and then we don't have to be the bad guy all the time, you know, because we, we do see that. And we're always hesitant to, to, you know, take out a loan or have them take out a loan on something that we're, you know, not sure that they're ready for. So it's, it's a tough thing. The bad guy being, I'm sorry, we have to say no to this. Yes, exactly. How many, how many, uh, how many plans or business ideas do you say no to? Would you say in a given year? Uh, it, it's hard to give put a number on it. Every year is different, um, but yeah, it, it it happens. It definitely happens. Yeah. You don't want to tell me. I want to tell you, <laughs> but because it would be too discouraging, or. Well, I mean, that's, that's part of it, but it's also because we, we, we may say no, but it's always with caveats. You know, if you, if you come back to us with these things, we want to work with you, you know. Um, and, and we'll say no, but if we, if we can work with Smith or Region 9 to help fill gaps, if we can, if we can work with SBA, Small Business, Small Business Administration, and get their approval to take on some of the risk with us, you know, we... As a, as a community bank, we really, this is our bread and butter, is working with small businesses. Um, we don't want to say no. We... Yeah, I'm lingering here because I'm thinking this is one of the solutions that we wanted to, to bring out in the conversation. So if you don't have a business plan and you need one, there are places to go to get help to create a business plan. Who has ever created... I'm going to come over to you. Have you did you create a business plan? It's, introduce yourself, Tristan. I'm Tristan Blue. Um, I live in Lafayette, Minnesota, and I uh, created Big Hitter Games, which is an independent game studio. Was there a business plan before there was Big Hitter Games? No. <laughs> really? How come? Because you just thought, I'll just see what happens here, and I'll put everything I own into this, and roll the dice. What could happen? Uh, yeah, basically. Yes? That's how I went? <laughs> But, uh, Built on a dream, you said. Yeah. Okay, tell me about it. So I always wanted to make video games as a kid, and uh, it wasn't necessarily plausible when I was going to college. Um, but now, fast forward to today, uh, a lot of the game engines and technology we have are a lot more intuitive, and it's a lot easier for a small team or just an individual to build a video game by themselves. Mm. Yeah, how's it going? It's going good. We have uh, multiple projects, um, a lot of demos, and a lot of cool things in the works. But uh, <clears throat> I think um, basically funding and promotion and marketing is one of the, the harder 
things to tackle. Do you think a mentor, which is one of the things I want to talk about tonight, would be, would have been, and would be helpful? Certainly, yeah. It's it's one of these businesses you you don't know where to start once you get into, and I don't even necessarily know how to tell someone else how to get into it. It's just a lot of passion and research. How about a business mentor, though? Somebody to guide you through some of the things that maybe they don't know the intricacies of, you know, building a video game, but they know big picture how to market a cool business idea. That would be very helpful. Um, So where would Tristan get a mentor, I wonder? Brenda? Yes? All right, back to you. (laughs) So... I think this, is, this came out when we talked about entrepreneurship last year. This was one of the key things that came out that we discovered that people didn't think they were going to need and then desperately needed. Can you say why? And introduce yourself again if you would. Sure. I'm Brenda uh, from Minnesota, and I represent Minnesota State University Mankato. And uh, for uh, about 25 years, I've worked around entrepreneurship in the region, and um, you know, there, there's an organization called SCORE, which is retired executives, which um, can act as mentors. Um, sometimes the, the matching, you know, is, is maybe a little more challenging. But I do think a lot of retired executives and, reti- you know, and entrepreneurs that are maybe later in their, in, in their work um, oftentimes really love working with new entrepreneurs and, and helping them be successful. So... Um, sometimes it's a matter of asking, you know, um, um, for that advice. Uh, I remember um, uh, one time hearing from a very successful uh, serial entrepreneur that, you know, his thought was that um, oftentimes it, it took a lot of life experience to really um, understand how entrepreneurship works. And so, you know, um, while you may have a great idea, I think that point that you made about the business the business side of it is, you know, very challenging. Uh, was just um, talking with a, uh, a former student a couple of weeks ago, and he's also a serial entrepreneur, and he had, a, had a challenges during the pandemic where uh, three of his businesses he had to close down. So he ended up, um, he, three of his businesses were still operating, but he decided to get into consulting work where he was helping um, other startups um, really uh, work on the business side because he was a, a very um, talented person around business operations. So sometimes as an entrepreneur, when you have big ideas, it's also really helpful to find someone who's very operational um, in, in being able to, to bring that side of, of the business. Has anyone here ever done that work, mentored younger entrepreneurs? Yes, yes, sir. Tell me who you are. Uh, my name is Ken Wilmus. And I both had mentors and became a mentor, but my story is an old one. I started my business in 1984 when interest rates were 20% if you wanted to borrow money. And I I went to the bank with a business plan, and they told me I didn't have enough money. So (laughs) I then went out and I found four private investors who invest. It's a steel fabrication manufacturing business. So anyway, uh, it's a good thing I found them four guys because it helped me get the business off the ground, and they also served as mentors. Well, now, I've sold out the business a couple years ago, 
but I served as mentors to the person, the people that took over for me. I gave them young young guys. Uh, company's now run by 40-year-olds, 40-something. So it was a great story for everybody. Let me go back to, yes. Kind of following up on a minute. To Jace again. Uh, with mentorship, I think a lot of, and maybe I'm, I'm just speaking from my own experience, um, when you're starting a business in a small town, it's probably a business that doesn't exist anywhere nearby. And so to, to get a mentor in a lot of times a very specialized industry or business that you're trying to start is really difficult. Um, and I think that's, I don't know, that's one of the things I've struggled with is just having even someone to just bounce ideas off or like, you know, just that you can relate to, you know, a very specific thing where in a larger community, a larger, uh, you know, setting, there's a lot of people that might be in your similar type of whatever you're doing. Um, obviously, the Internet can help, but like having that personal face-to-face, like sit down, you know, talk, just um, like a true mentorship versus just, you know, asking in forums online. Um, I think that's a, a struggle I've definitely faced here in, in a smaller community. I think the question then would be, do you need somebody who is in your exact industry or can you think, or can you get expertise, you know? Yeah, it, 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 yeah. it can definitely go both ways. Like, so I'm talking to, to John, uh, yeah. John makes cider. So we have similar things that we talk a lot, but um, you know, there's like general business mentorship, but then there's also like, you know, we're, we do fermentation, which is like very uh, a, a niche type of a thing that, you know, if you run into an issue, you're on an island, you know, yeah. and so like not having someone to talk to or work through a problem that might be just specific to what you're trying to do versus like general business knowledge, I guess that's where I was referring to. So let me say, Jace, and you run a, the Black Frost Distillery is sitting right next to John, who runs a cidery. Okay, tell me, tell me what you're thinking about as you listen to Jace talk about this. Well, I, I kind of feel bad for Jace because he was a mentor to me. Um, <laughs> J- Jace and I have a lot of 11.30 at night text messages back and forth or after the kids go to bed type of sampling when we first started this whole, whole journey. And he's absolutely right. Like Without his help and his feedback, um, it would have been really scary to make any kind of jump because... Jace would tell me flat out, like, I smell this, this doesn't seem good, or this is great, you should go with this. And without that kind of uh, feedback from someone who's been in the business and has that expertise, it really would have been uh, scary to make that jump. I want to make one more comment, though, too, on the the banking side of things. Now, now it might might seem like it was negative um, to turn down somebody's business plan or a loan, but a lot of times... You can turn that around. It's, it's really a gut check. Do I need to reconfigure what I'm looking at here? Do I uh, need, to, need to make some adjustments to my business plan? Because it's been my experience. The bank isn't just going to say no and close the door. They want to see you succeed. So they're going to try to figure out ways or maybe provide some feedback so you can make, make this a successful business plan. You know, Tim, I want to come over to you because uh, I know you're listening to these questions about mentoring and guidance and this is something that the foundation does how do you respond when you can see a business that is in need of some guidance and maybe some oversight well i mentioned in my opening remarks that the motto at our foundation is collaborating for regional vitality so in all of our areas of work especially in our entrepreneur work 
we're, we're looking around who else is playing in this arena and how do we best coordinate with them so that our, our, our activities, our resources can complement and supplement what they're doing, coordinate it in the best way. Uh, Brenda from the university mentioned uh, the Service Corps of Retired Executives score, uh, and we do house a score chapter at our foundation, and they serve Mankato, Faribault, Ellerly, Owatonna. So that's free advice from people that have been there, done that. Uh, we also refer frequent uh, loan uh, requests that come to us to the Small Business Development Center, SBDC, because they can help you again, at no cost, in developing that business plan because you're not going to get anywhere with with even us at the Initiative Foundation, uh, let alone a bank, uh, without, without that basic document in hand. This is my business plan. Uh, here's my projection of income, and, and uh, here's how I intend to use the money. Here's my growth projections, et cetera. Um, so we, we just try to stay connected with EDAs, regional banks, and others that are in this realm and make sure that people knock on our door. Uh, we're maybe not the right place for them to be right now, but we try to help them find out where to start. Okay, good. I'm going to come down here to a conversation I was having a little earlier to Melanie. Melanie, introduce yourself and talk about your business. I'm Melanie, and I am a licensed esthetician. Um, I own Schönehaut, which is means beautiful skin in German. Um, so I am actually not a native of New Ulm. My husband is, on the other hand, though. Um, so a lot of my business is word of mouth, and that's how I got started, is a lot of my clients are from New Ulm, but rural of New Ulm, too. So, Did you have a business plan? I did not. <laughs> I wondered how many people are sitting here going, oh, my gosh, the one thing I forgot. And now I'm going to. <laughs> yeah. After what would that look like? How are you going to put that together? I do want to provide more services in New Ulm, and eventually I want to expand, like, a spa service. Like, I want to have a sauna and a hot tub and um, kind of those things for the community so maybe you want Nikki's sauna I know the the um you said earlier that this has been challenging because again you're not from here and even though your husband is maybe there's a little hesitation about what you're doing how what's up been like um it's been a struggle actually um I think it was really hard to start off because I am like I said I'm not a new home native I'm actually I feel a minority, like a minority in this town. I am, actually. Um, but it's been quite a roller coaster of emotions up and down starting you know, my own business. So, Feeling like, what do I have to do to get them to give me a chance? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but tell me what that feels like. Yeah, absolutely. You said it. <laughs> um, it's been quite a, a challenge because I do want to be the best, and I want to show people that I am the best. Um, and make everybody feel that they are comfortable to come to me. That, that is a reality of a small town, right? Uh, yes. Trudy. With the dog wash, the 24-hour dog wash. I love it. Um, you were nodding when I suggested that trying to start a business in a small town is going to be, for different reasons, maybe more challenging than in a city. Why? Like Melanie, I'm not from here. And so breaking into um, 
information about property that's available or collaborative-minded property owners. You know, those kinds of things are very challenging when you're always trying to give that elevator pitch about, you want to do what? <laughs> so th that's hard. The pitch, the pitch is hard. But I sense there's a story with collaborative property owners. Are, are you having people say, no, I don't want that in my, in my office or business? I think when you don't know people, you got to show up in person. These are not conversations to have over the phone when they, you try to explain a concept, like something they haven't seen before. A freestanding you know, dog wash is like, you want to do what? Like that's, that's the response all the time. So are you concerned that, okay, you get the business established, but still you're kind of seen as an outsider? And this may be, you know, this may be something to have to deal with. Dogs don't care where you're from. That's right. So well, do. that's right. You know, the, you know, if you're delivering a service that people need, they didn't know that they needed, you know, and it's convenient and affordable and unique, um, there's no shortage of people that want that kind of service available. So... Julie, I'm going to come over to you, and I hope you'll introduce yourself, and then I have a few questions for you. Uh, Julie Tesh with the Center for Rural Policy and Development. One of our partners for the uh, Rural Voice Town Hall series. What do you think when you hear some of our guests say, I didn't expect that, but I'm encountering kind of who are you and what are you doing here? I guess it's not surprising and things are unique to a small town, but I think in society now, whether it's a small town or a metropolitan area, we're online so much that we are so disconnected from one another. And so actually wanting to meet in person is difficult for some people. And I think in a, in a rural area, I grew up uh, in rural Waldorf, Minnesota, about an hour away from here. You know, people still talk to each other on the phone and, and, and in person. And if you don't know that person, it's hard. I, I left our farm uh, 25 years ago and went and gallivanted around the country and moved back here six years ago. And a lot changes. And there's a lot that a lot of people you don't know. And add in COVID and add in technology, which is wonderful. But people aren't used to that interaction anymore. What's your... Oh, yes, sir. I'll come back. Well, yes. Well, I'm thinking that um, our education system has changed. If you want to be an entrepreneur, it's not a 40-hour-a-week job. You just work from sunup to sundown if you can get it done at that time, and you work seven days a week if you want to be successful at it. I, very, I know very few people that have done a real good job that didn't follow that solution. I have done it myself. But I sell real estate. I've sold a number of businesses. But we got a number of businesses for sale, you know, five or so. In your, in your small town, which is? St. James. But, you know, it's, fine to hire, it's hard to find entrepreneurs. They get through college, and they, they want to work from 7 o'clock Monday morning to 5 o'clock Friday afternoon. They don't want to worry about it. Is this a this next generation kind of thing? So why don't all these people here that promote this stuff, where they can borrow money stuff, teach people to be entrepreneurs? If you want to get ahead, 
you got to earn it. It does, it does, it's not going to do it for you. you, you what do you think it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? Where do you want to work? I built the first apartment house in St. James, and people said, that'll never work. They don't have any apartments there. God, the rents could be 150 bucks a month. Can you believe that? It was 1970. It worked fine. I built 115 apartments since. They all work fine. You know, just, but you, work, you don't work 40-hour weeks. <laughs> Who has something to say to Tom? <laughs> Julie, what do you make of that? (laughs) I agree wholeheartedly. I'm not an entrepreneur, but growing up on a dairy farm, and it's a lifestyle. Being a small business owner, being an entrepreneur is a lifestyle, and you have to be able to handle risk, uncertainty, and and a lot of closed doors, a lot of no. And it, it develops a thick skin, and if you don't have that, that's difficult. Let me come over to Kathy, who's sitting next to Brenda, who also uh, is immersed in economic development. Introduce yourself, if you would. I'm Kathy with MNSU. What do you think when you hear, I had this great idea, didn't think I needed a business plan, now I'm into the middle of it, and I'm encountering some challenges that I didn't expect? I think it's probably always worth going back and doing the work to make the plan. Really? Even if you're in the middle of it, because I think with a plan, you have a path forward, and you can ask advice, and you can look to others, your mentors, other people who have maybe been down that path before for advice on where do I go from here, and so even if you started down that path, it might be worth pausing for a second to do the work and fill out the plan. Tell me if this isn't true, and, and it may not be. Is there less margin for error in starting a business in a small community for a number of reasons? Brenda, you're nodding. Well, I, I think so. I mean, your market, you know, is really different. So that, that may be, you know, reason enough um, as to why it may be more challenging. Um, if I could, I want to go back just a little bit about uh, the, the comment about, you know, um, college students because... Oh, you mean, Tom, like this generation doesn't know how to work? Let's just call it as we see it, Brenda. Because, um, I mean, we come in contact with a lot of, <clears throat> with a lot of young people, and um, we find that, um, you know, you have a whole, you have a whole continuum of, of young people. But I think one of the things about rural communities is oftentimes, you know, either you're raising really um, hardworking young people or you're attracting individuals that do really want to work hard. So we've had a lot of entrepreneurs um, as students that have, um, that have, have pursued entrepreneurship while they're students. And We'll find that many of them work 60, 80 hours a week. They're, you know, they're working two and three jobs. They're starting their businesses. They're going to schools. So, I wouldn't necessarily count out, you know, um, young people as having. You might not have run across to all of them, but I, I have a, just a, a huge belief in um, our, our our youth generation. Um, you know, the Minnesota Cup. Um, which is the statewide entrepreneurship competition, I mean, they have two categories just for, you know, young entrepreneurs. And, um, and, and I think a lot of times what entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs need is, is confidence and that mentoring and, and that partnership to, you know, to, 
to begin um, what they're doing, but I, I wouldn't count out the, 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 the younger generations as, as not being able to be, you know, those, those workhorses to get those businesses started. Kathy, what do you think? I think it's true. I think we see shining stars every day on our campus, and it's exciting. Um, and it may not always happen for those students in that moment when they have that bright idea, but that enthusiasm for what's to come is there right out the gate. Tom, what do you think? Are you, are you changing your mind? I'm not disagreeing with them. There's a lot of good young entrepreneurs out there. It's hard to get them in a, young town, in a small town because there's so many opportunities with a college education where they can go to work for some major companies, it, it, way more benefits. So how to, but some of them work out good there and some of them don't. You know, when you look at the trades, I think we've overlooked it. We, we, we think everybody's got to go to a four-year college. And we're short of plumbers and we're short of electricians and we're, and we're short of people just want to run a grocery store or just want to run a restaurant. And we can get them, they can, if they got a little entrepreneur spirit and want to work, we can help them fund a restaurant in a small town and we can make it, we can fund it at a rate where they can make a living. But uh, I've got kids and uh, I, I, I can't believe how much money they make. They go to college for four years and they go to work for these companies. And that's the end of the entrepreneur. Their, entrepreneur. their entrepreneurship is hunting in Hawaii, you know. Sounds good to me. More power to them, you know. <laughs> I'm Carrie Miller and you're listening to a Rural Voice Town Hall in New Ulm. We're at Shell's Brewery and we have a number of entrepreneurs in the room and we have a number of people who work on economic development and we've had some great ideas and some personal experiences and some excellent suggestions about how to bring more people into entrepreneurship in smaller towns. Who wanted to speak? Yes, Bree? I just wanted to make a comment kind of about, uh, we're talking about entrepreneurs as if uh, it's a college pathway or it's something somebody goes and says, this is something I want to do with my life. Uh, and I think there's a whole, what I'm seeing in my experience is that I'm, I'm working alongside other entrepreneurs that are, are in a career change. Um, they've maybe figured out that their values are not uh, being met in uh, employment area arenas. And um, so I can speak for myself. Um, you know, I, I got burned out working in healthcare <laughs> for 15 years. And, uh, and, and now I just feel so rejuvenated in what I'm doing. I don't mind working 60, 70, 80, 80 hours because it's not work. And I think that that's where um, tapping into a, a small town and in rural areas in particular that we can see uh, needs that are not being met and uh, that will make a a significant difference in our community. So it feels really good. It feels different than in a metro area to me. Thanks, Bree. Yes, we heard about the trades, and I'm coming over to Ryan. And Ryan, tell us a little bit about your, introduce yourself and your experience. So I'm Ryan Ott. I'm the executive director of Big Ideas here in New Ulm. Uh, we're a nonprofit that promotes skilled trades. So we go to schools, we go to industry events, and talk to people about the opportunities that are in the trades. Right? You can start off in labor, you can learn some skills, you'll have those for the rest of your life, and then you can start your own business, get into management. Um, you know, the, the sky's the limit from there. Yeah. Do you find, as Tom says, when people find out you know, how hard this is going to be. Success may be a long time in coming. The enthusiasm wanes, the entrepreneurship withers. I, 
I mean, it hasn't been for me. So I started off in the trades um, when I was really young, and uh, I've had a successful career in the trades, and now I'm uh, executive director here. So working 80, 90, 100 hours a week, uh, getting jobs done for people, I think that I find pride in what I do, and I think a lot of people find that too. So um, just like Bree was saying, it's, it's not really work for you anymore. It's, it's the way that you give back to the community. It's the impact that you have, and that's what drives you forward, kind of, you know, bringing community together through um, coffee or liquor or um, through skincare or through asana. I mean, all of these things are what entrepreneurs do to bring their community together, and that's how they find their passion. Let me come down here to uh, Brett. But Ian, I'm sorry. Um, introduce yourself, if you will. Yep. Uh, my name is Ian Bentz. I'm with the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation as well as uh, Bank President Profinium. What do you think about what you've heard about the challenges in a smaller community of feeling like an outsider and the challenge of being embraced, I guess, in a small community that you're not from? I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, someone who is, is from Fairmont and left Fairmont for four years for college and came back, um, I cannot put myself in those shoes. However, um, over my 20 years of being at the bank, there's been a lot of people that I've gotten connected with that have moved into Fairmont in our area. And they've, they've echoed that same sentiment. It's tough. It's tough to move into a, into a new area and, and build those connections. And um, I guess my one small segment of being able to relate is after being leaving a high school student or high school graduate and coming back as a college graduate into the workforce, it almost is a different feel, and you play a different role in the community. Um, I guess I had the most success in, in volunteering and, and taking part in some of my passions, and then you're around like-minded people with same interests, and, um, and, and then those relationships kind of blossom from there. That's such a great idea. So inserting yourself more into the community in a way that isn't just looking for customers. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, making a difference, playing a role, whether it's mentoring, um, whether it's coaching, whether it's um, finding service clubs to be a part of, church groups, whatever your passion is. And, and generally, when you're following your passion, your, your greater self comes out and you can have a better opportunity to connect with people and make a difference. Do we have any entrepreneurs in the room that have not yet spoken? I want to make sure that we don't. Yes, Andrea, let me come over here. Tell me about yourself. Hi. Um, yes, I, I have a full-time job where I run a nonprofit. I serve the citizens of New Ulm as the council president. I serve on other boards of directors. Um, but a couple of years ago, I did take a kind of a leap of faith, and I started in a 501c3 nonprofit organization um, as an entrepreneur called the Women's Forum. And it was designed to bring women that are looking to get into leadership roles or um, are looking to kind of further the, the education, get some mentorship um, to bring them together. And, um, you know, things were going so, so well. And then COVID hit. And, you know, we just kind of found ourselves in a position where we were trying to do things online and weren't able to connect in person with people as much. And so, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where, you know, our, our business is struggling now. Um, but 
Um, no, yeah, just another another story of entrepreneurship that gets changed because of COVID. Right. How can you, you, you really couldn't have predicted that. Do you think the business will survive? I do. Yes, we have some great members and great leadership. And yes, we're going to continue. Uh, other question? Yes, Julie. Yeah. And then I will be right over there. And then I'll be right there. Hi, Julie. Hi. I'd just like to say that it's really encouraging to have so many people here at the Center for Rural Policy and Development, we do research on rural Minnesota issues and policy topics. And a lot of time what we do is changing that narrative about rural. And hearing so many great ideas here tonight, it's just very positive. You know, we know it's here, we live in this area, but for other people to hear this, so I'm glad that you know this is going to be on NPR and that other people can view it because there are good things, really great things happening all over rural Minnesota, and we really need to promote that. Yeah. Those stories really, as Tim suggests, don't really get told that often. All right. Ken, Ken, you've had another thought. All right. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, one thing that's great about South Central Minnesota and had been really good for my company was uh, South Central Mankato State College and South Central Technical College. They really put out a lot of good people. We hired a lot of uh, engineers from MSU. They have a very good engineering department. And we got a lot of welders and machinists from uh, South Central Technical College. Very good schools. They're very beneficial to my kind of industry, the manufacturing industry in this South Central area. That's good. That's really good to hear. Uh, I'm going to ask Tim for some closing thoughts, but before I do that, other, yes, sir, Ryan. So on the topic of growing a business, a lot of times businesses start off with somebody that knows how to do something, right? They know how to construct something or they know how to make something. And then that turns into a business. And now it's sales and marketing and the business side of things and this is this is the mentorship side so a lot of times they're very good practitioners but they don't understand the business side of things so getting help on that side of the stuff um, is worth its weight really really great suggestion okay anything yes ma'am and I'm Valerie with the city of Lamberton and I guess you know when you talk about people having troubles breaking into a small town I I can definitely get it because we all, if you're in a small town, you all know you got the coffee group that's making all the news in the world. But um, I think it's really just important that a lot of it comes from leadership as well as that attitude that they put out to the community that, hey, you know, we are looking for new things, new ideas. We want to keep our towns alive because obviously we're here because we love it um, and to make sure that we pass that on to everybody else. And I think you know, yes, in some ways it might be a little bit more difficult to start a business in a small town, but I think you can find the people easier to help you in a small town, and we're definitely here to, to make, connect those dots, you know, and, and make it work for anybody. Great. Thank you, Valerie. I'm Carrie Miller, and you've been listening to The Rural Voice, a town hall series in the rural Midwest. For more information on the series and our 2024 season, go to ruralvoice.org. Mm-hmm.